We come to a text this morning in the story of Abraham, Genesis chapter 21, that we began to read last week. It's the text about Hagar and Ishmael. And I want to call your attention to it again. It is that meal that Abraham wanted to have with a family. And he gave the great feast. And at the feast, the family came apart. And Sarah said, The son of that slave woman will have no inheritance with my son Isaac. It grieved the heart of Abraham to hear it. Because Ishmael was his son too. And God gives him an assurance that he's going to bless Ishmael and that he should go ahead and please his wife, Sarah. And so in Genesis chapter 21, verse 14, the story unfolds. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water, and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, She put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Thus the story unfolds of Hagar and Ishmael. And we scarcely hear of Hagar again in the Bible. Just a little bit about her being the mother of Ishmael. I don't know how you feel when you hear that text and read that text. I don't care what culture you're in, what generation you're from, what your experiences have been, Or who you think you are. 
to be rejected by your father leaves a deep wound. Rejection often leaves us hopeless. In this account, we have Hagar and Ishmael banished from the family. Abraham literally gives them food and water and sends them into the desert. Hagar and Ishmael leave destitute. He will not share in the inheritance of his father, as is usually the custom. He's been cut out of the will. All he's got is that skin of water and a little bit of food. The father takes the burden and places it on the shoulders of Hagar. And there, burdened with the water and the food, she is sent into the wilderness with her son. I know you are glad you live in a day when we don't see that. Or maybe we do. Maybe we do see husbands doing that with their wives and fathers doing that with their sons. Guess where I was last night? I was at the emergency room with eight-year-old Hope, who had a bicycle accident and now has a scar, has a has a cut right down her forehead. She got ten stitches last night. I carried her from the levee where the bike hit the barrier to the car. And for this grandpa, that was a bad moment, all right? I went to the clerk to pay the bill. She had made two assumptions about my daughter, Rachel. She assumed that she was single. And she assumed she was on Medicaid. Do you know who the poor are in your town? They are the single mothers with children who have frequently been dismissed from the Father's presence with a skin of water and a little food and sent out destitute into the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. 
we must take upon ourselves the obligation of husbandry and fatherhood in a whole new way in our culture. Banished, destitute, and lost. That's what Hagar is. I've got a picture of the desert that is there just south of Beersheba. Can we show that? Now that is Virginia Johnson in the desert, all right? She was part of our team and she is exalting and being in the place of the Bible. I had to show you that one. Is Virginia here? There she is. Hi, Virginia. Never saw her so happy. There's the desert near Beersheba. Can you imagine being Hagar? Loaded down and sent out on your way with your son into this place. It is no wonder that banished, destitute, and lost, she ends up leaving her son under a bush as she sees him dying and goes away about a hundred yards because she cannot bear the sight. My daughter said last night, when the doctor asked her if she wanted to stay, she said, I can't watch you sew her up. I just can't. I'm afraid you'd be treating me. And understand that. That's why Hagar left. You don't want to see your child die. Rachel looked at me last night as we were sitting by that gurney and she said, I know she's going to be fine. I don't know how I'd feel if I didn't know. I don't know how I'd handle it if I felt that this was going to be the end for her. And Hagar leaves her son Ishmael and walks away because she feels that he is about to die. Now something very interesting happens here. Hagar begins to cry. And God speaks from heaven. And the angel says to Hagar, God has heard the boy crying. All right. Isn't that interesting to you? Hagar's crying. The scripture says that. We don't know that Ishmael's crying, but he is. God rescues the hopeless. Rejection leaves us hopeless, but God specializes in rescuing the hopeless. And God hears the cry of that boy under that bush. 
Just like God hears the cry of the poor and needy in our time and place. You can rest assured, brothers and sisters, when you cry out to God in the darkness of the night because your heart is hurting and you are in pain, God hears the cry. God heard the outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw that is why he took action because of the cry from those who were abused and misused. God hears the cry of Hagar and Ishmael. And God hears your cry too. He is the God of the tender heart who knows your need, understands the depth of your pain, and understands it not just theoretically. That's part of the wonder of the cross. He understands it experientially. His own son cried from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We call it the cry of dereliction. Jesus experienced not only all the things that it means to be a human wandering around on the planet, but he experienced the desolation that we feel as he hung upon the cross. He knows what it feels like. To feel abandoned, to feel forsaken, to wonder if God has turned his back on you, if the Father has turned his face away. The experience of Christ upon the cross, he experienced for every man. Upon the cross, he took our pain, our suffering, and our penalty. Part of the penalty of our sin is the estrangement, the alienation from God that we feel. Jesus experienced it on the cross. God rescues the hopeless. He specializes in it. Somebody in this room may feel like you are near the end of your rope. Out of ideas, out of resources, and out of hope. Well, I have a message for you. Stand up and open your eyes. Hagar felt like everything was gone. There was nothing she could do. She was lost in the wilderness, abandoned by her, hus- her husband, her master, Abraham, without any way to get out of her situation. And she encountered again the God that she had encountered before when she ran away from her mistress. The God who sees me. She named the place where God found her that last time in the wilderness. I have seen the God who sees me. God sees us in our need. He sees us in our destitution. He sees us in our despair. And he calls out to us. God speaks from heaven to Hagar in her need. 
If you feel needy today, I want you to listen for the voice of God. God wants to talk to you. He loves to talk to people in need, and he wants to talk to you. And as you listen to the voice of God, you're going to hear him say, Get up, Hagar. She is fallen down some distance from Ishmael. She's got to get up. Why does she have to get up? Because God hears the boy crying, and he needs the help of his mother. And friend near hopelessness, I want you to hear the voice of God saying to you, stand up. Get yourself up. Somebody's depending on you. You're the answer to somebody's need. Somebody's in despair and you have a ministry to perform to them. So Hagar, get up out of that place where you've fallen. And brother, sister, you get up too. You can't help if you stay down. God's got a plan and purpose for you, though it seems like you've hit a dead end. But it's not truly a dead end. What God wants you to do is stand up and he's going to open your eyes. Now in this moment, God opens Hagar's eyes and she sees a well of water which is their salvation in the desert. When we were in the desert, we knew if you didn't understand where the water was, you were going to die. Hagar didn't know where the water was. She thought she was going to die. It was a certainty. And God opened her eyes. And I want you to know, as down as you may feel, as desperate as your condition may be, if you allow, allow God to open your eyes, you will see a resource that you did not know was there. You will discover within you the strength to go on because somebody needs you. They need you desperately. God said to Hagar, I heard the boy crying because that means more to Hagar than her own tears. And if you will find the one who you are called and purposed to help, it will help you find the strength within your heart, your will, to stand up where you are and go on from the place of desperation. Because God needs you still, that's why you're here in this world. It is the privilege of a preacher to talk to people near death. And some of them survive when they think they ought to have died. And I don't know how many times through the years of my ministry, somebody has looked up at me from the hospital bed and said, Why am I still here? Why has God left me here? I used to go visit a lady who lived to be 107. For the last 10 years of her life, she was bedridden. And every time I went to see her in the nursing home, she'd look up and say, Why doesn't God let me die? Hagar, why are you not dying? Because God's got something for you to do. 
And perhaps the greatest blessing of your life, something you've not even seen yet, a height of joy and fulfillment in your life awaits you if you will set aside the notion that all hope is lost and focus upon the one who needs you. President Clinton dedicated his family home yesterday in Hope, Arkansas. Did you note that? For the national parks, he spoke in the home where he was raised by a single mother who lived with her parents, his grandparents. That's where he grew up right beside the railroad track, in fact, between the railroad tracks in Hope, Arkansas. He chose to mention, in this occasion of the dedication of his home, that what he learned in his single-parent family, with his grandparents assisting his mother, was all that guided him from that moment forward. This is the place, he said, that really changed my life. And he said, I grew up back in the day when we didn't watch television all the time. He took the occasion to say, back then we saw people said, I'm afraid we don't anymore. We're money-centered instead of people-centered. Say, if you're centered on the stuff and all of it is gone, maybe you can't see a reason to go on. But if you're centered on the people that you're supposed to love the neighbor who needs you, the co-worker who you know is desperate, the child that God gave you, the parents that you care for. If you are centered on the people that you love, no matter what beating life gives you, you've got to stand up. Stand up, Hagar. Go back to your son. Take his hand and lift him up. I'm going to make him into a great nation. And the impact of your life is going to be through this boy that's crying under that bush. So, Hagar, you get up now. You go over there. You grab that boy's hand. You lift him up. You find somebody to love if you're discouraged, if you're in despair. If you're swimming in self-pity, you find somebody to love, somebody's hand to lift. You ask God today, what do you want to do with me? And instead of looking at stuff, start scanning the people, the faces God has placed in your life till you find the one you're here for. And then you say, God, with your strength to guide me, I'm going to be there for that person who is my assignment to love in this life. And like Hagar, I'm going to take him by the hand, I'm going to lift him up, and I'm going to trust you to use me in their life for your glory. If you feel like you've suffered too much pain, 
and trouble has come your way and you have been abandoned, misused, and now you feel destitute and all hope gone, it will change your life to start loving the one God has appointed you to serve. Some of us are chained in anger. We are so angry. And we are not angry at the people we lash out at. We are in the state of being angry all the time and every day. And sometimes we lash out and we wonder why. Why am I so angry at my wife, my kids, the people with whom I work? Where's this anger come from? And I wonder if we don't have lots of Ishmaels in this culture whose anger dates back to the time that dad left. And the wound never healed. The scripture says, Ishmael is going to be a wild donkey of a man. All right? That's what the text says. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against his brothers and his brothers' hands will be against him. That's who he's going to be. wonder how he got that way. Maybe he never healed from that day when he watched his mother loaded with food and water by his dad and sent into the desert. Now Abraham knew God was going to take care of Ishmael. He'd heard it from the Lord. But what did Ishmael know? God wants to heal the anger in your heart, sister. Because you felt rejected and you never measured up. And abandoned by that parent that should have loved you. There is healing and help for you in the cross of Christ and the God who cares for you. And he can restore you on the inside so that you will be not somebody whose hand is against everybody and everybody's hand against you, but somebody that God uses in your life to help the fallen and lift the needy and share his love in a world that needs him. Hear his voice. Hear his call. The scripture says, I'm going to be with Ishmael. God is with you, whatever the journey's been. He wants to speak to your heart, call you to himself, heal the hurt inside, and put you to work in a world where there's so much to do. Bow with me, please.
God, we come to you this morning, needy people. And we pray, God, that you would speak your word to the man or woman in despair, to the hopeless and the hurting. And, Lord, that you would provide your comfort, for you are the God of all comfort. Lord, I pray for those who feel rejected by people that should have loved them. That this will be a moment of truth, knowing the God who loves them still and calls them to himself. I pray for men in the room who suffer from anger. It just stays in their heart. Lord, that you would bring your deliverance so that we might love like you have loved us. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord Jesus, that you bought us freedom from sin and guilt. May we today, as believing people, Receive the benefits of your death, knowing that we are cleansed from our sin and cleansed from the guilt and being able to live in freedom and liberty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.